Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome again to the Left of Greg podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Brian Marin. On the show tonight, we, as always, have Mr. Greg Williams, who the podcast is affectionately named after. We are bringing back two, two guests we've had on prior before, Mr. Will Atkinson, a uh, human behavior profiler, a uh, whole uh, interesting background and work that he does, uh, all-around smart guy, and uh, was a former teacher with, with this program and actually has the call sign Teach. So if you hear someone or Greg refer to Teach, that's that's uh, Will down there. And then, uh, of course, we have Brian Shea, uh, super smart Intel analyst and operational side guy, done all kinds of stuff all over the world, working in the U.S. right now, brings a whole wealth of knowledge and a lot of current uh, knowledge and TTPs, tactics, techniques, procedures to the show. So before we get started, guys, I just want to remind everyone, go ahead. If you want more information, always go to the website. I'll put it up on here in the video and have uh, the links available to click on. But that's ArcadiaCognorati.com. And if you're watching this, this is obviously the Left of Greg YouTube channel. So go ahead and hit the subscribe button, which is up there or here or somewhere. I don't know where my face will end up on the screen. But hit that button and give us a thumbs up, like, uh, go ahead and comment on the videos if you got any questions. And you can download the podcast from iTunes, uh, Left of Greg Podcast. It is free, uh, which always is, is good. And you guys can listen to this stuff on your way into work or whenever you got some free time and maybe make yourself a little bit smarter, a little bit stronger, a little faster, and a little bit harder to kill. And if we can get away with that, then we're doing well. So tonight, to kind of frame what we're going to be talking about, it's kind of a continuation on a, a, another recent podcast we did talking about motive. You know, what's someone's uh, motivation for committing a crime? It comes up a lot anytime you see a murder or a horrific event. People want to always know, hey, what's their motive behind it? Why did this person do that? And I think it's just a general fascination that humans have. Hey, I, I don't really understand this. I, I want to know why. Why would someone ever do that? Because I would never do something like that. And yeah, that's good. You have a normal, in the clinical sense, normal functioning brain. And so, so we have these questions. And what we say for what we do with human behavior pattern recognition and analysis is we're not really concerned with motive. And we're not concerned with motive because, one, you can kind of lead you down a rabbit hole of a different number of different areas. Uh, you can, you know, find all kinds of different research from different sciences on why humans do certain things. And that's great. That's great information. It's really fun to learn just uh, on maybe how the brain works and how people make decisions and why those things happen and whether there are psychological or sociological impacts to it and, and, and all those uh, factors that involve in it. But it kind of, it doesn't really help you, as we say, in terms of finding the bad guy, actually identifying uh, a criminal terrorist insurgent, child sexual predator, uh, the guy who's going to steal something from your house, the guy just trying to con you out of something. It doesn't really help identify those people looking at the motive, right? Because you can go off and, 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 you know, go down, like I said, a rabbit hole with it, and you don't really come up with anything on the bottom. So what we like to do is give concrete takeaways of, of things of this is how you look in your environment. And, and if you gather artifacts and evidence in support of a reasonable conclusion, you can show intent and you can understand that it, with enough evidence, right, the, the crime there, it doesn't matter why uh, we do it. Now, a lot of that goes into law enforcement and prosecution and explaining to a jury on why someone do it because it helps them understand the crime a little bit better and helps them understand the storyline and the timeline of events and maybe why someone would do that. So you have to relay that information. And I know the news always is, hey, their motive was this or their motive was that. But really, in, in our opinion, it, it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't, it's not necessary in terms of finding uh, who these guys are. 
Now, the reason why we have people like Will and, and of course, Brian on here is there are reasons why motive can be important, you know, especially in an investigation. Uh, maybe you're, you know, the police have apprehended a suspect and they want to build rapport with a guy and they're trying to figure out why he committed this crime that maybe understanding the motivation behind them doing it, hey, will help you, you know, gain some information on them, get them to t- tell you exactly what happened. But let's just remember one thing. At that point, the, the guy, the person is already in custody and they're sitting in front of you. So, so that motive might not have helped before, but, but maybe it'll help after. Right? So since everything we do is pre-event and that's what we like to focus on, that's our narrow bandwidth, that's why we say we, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily matter. So that kind of, I think, uh, frames the topic of discussion for this evening. So uh, we're going to kind of go around the horn a little bit. I know, Greg, you had a few comments you wanted to start off with. So we'll start there. And then, uh, Brian and Will, you guys can absolutely kind of give your two cents on it. And, Greg, I'll allow you two to kind of elaborate on what I said specifically when we get into motive and what it means and why we don't really care about it. Okay, that's fine. And and, uh, thank you again, everybody, for appearing. I know your time is valuable, but this also is valuable. Uh, Brian, a couple of things that I I would not take umbrage, but I want to point out that you brought up that I don't necessarily agree or disagree. I'm ambivalent at this point, but we'll see if we can convince somebody uh, later on. Here's my point. You said that people are fascinated. I think people are scared. I think that the fear is is the reason that we try to justify uh, the criminality, uh, the action, the intent, we try, to, we try to build a wall around that because it can't happen to me. It can't happen here. This guy can't be my neighbor. I would never be able to. How many times you see the news? Oh, my kid couldn't do that. My boss would never do that stuff. Humans are, are, are fallible. Humans do bad things, okay? Not all of them, a very small percentage, and there are recidivists out there. But I think fear is what drives us to worry about what motivated that person, because then we can say, aha, you see, he was greedy. Aha, he was cheating on his old lady. It's not like me. And the second part of that is that when you talk about uh, 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 motivation, uh, I want you to think of what drives people has always driven people. So if Ugluk and Mukhtar were in the cave and one of them had a piece of meat and the other didn't, that uh, Mukhtar is getting the meat. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yep. And if I got to bash your brain in with a, with a calf bone of a, of an elk, I'm going to do that. So, so when we start saying nobody could commit a murder, there's no way that I would ever do this. Road rage is only for the uneducated. Look, we're all in this big melting pot together, and it takes just the right thing at the right time to push us into doing something. And I think, I think motive is overrated. Right. And, and uh, to caveat on that, exactly. Uh, maybe fascination was the wrong, wrong no, word. No. But, it's, but, a, it's a great word, and it's a big word. So we're pretty proud that you used it. But I just don't know if it's necessarily the, the, the specific word for this uh, broadcast. No, and I, I think fear would, would probably be a, a better, and fear, and because we, you know, once again, we, we fear the unknown, and we fear what we don't know. So, so I think that that would probably, I, I agree, that would maybe be a better descriptor for, for what, you know, what I meant by uh, how people interact with, you know, why we have so many documentaries on crimes, why we uh, always get glued and fixated on this stuff, why people read books on it, you know, why do they make a, you know, five-part series on one guy, you know, it, all that stuff is, and, and that, that's what it is. I, I think that's a, a fear would be a better descriptor. And then I like uh, the comment too, is what drives people has always driven people. 
And I think that's a great place to start as well, or, or at least not, maybe not start, just always keep in mind that, that, you know, biology, human biology is human biology. It's been around for, for a long time, whether you believe that's a couple hundred thousand years as we are, or a couple thousand years, whatever it is, human biology is human biology. So, so what's, what's happened before in the past are literally some of the same reasons of, of what we see this today. So I, I think that's, that's a great place to start. So I don't know if Brian or Will, if you guys want to jump in or, or, uh, and go, go ahead, Will, and, and I know you've got a few things on your mind as well. Yeah, I mean, motive, um, a reactive understanding of motive, um, it's a social construct. It's a, it's a mollification of the masses. It's an opioid. It makes us you know, try to understand something that our brain can't possibly understand. It serves no real purpose in stopping an event from happening. It's procedural. It's due process. It's part of like the, the, the culpable mental state half of a crime. It's like he did this act in because or negligently because of. So it helps us maybe prosecute somebody or get an understanding or develop an empathy or a, a relationship with someone like you said. Um, but it can also be an immediate filter because you know, there are sometimes you there are crimes that necessitate some type of motive. Um, I'm hungry. I want to have sex with that. I want to murder that. I need to survive. Um, so what you can do proactively, if you want to use it, is as a filter start kind of back azimuth motive a little bit. Like who would be interested in attacking this convoy? Who would be exactly. interested in a school shooting? And then instead of looking at you know everybody, it's just a loose filter to start narrowing that net or that cone. Te- teach, I want to let you go on, but I want to I want to make sure that our audience understands that uh, motive is almost never uh, uh, necessary to prove any crime ever. Yep. Uh, intent is, okay, specific intent, general intent, those kind of things. And, and what Teach is telling us is Teach is telling us that it's sort of a preamble. It's sort of a thing that prosecutors use uh, to get a jury. It's a, a sort of a thing that a newscaster gets to hook you in. And I, I totally agree with that. I think that there's also a difference, Teach, between, for example, UFOs and Sasquatch. I'm not a afraid of them but i can't we, we went to the museum them. yeah we did you and i did together actually when we were Sasquatch is a UFO. Yeah. But, but the idea is the inexplicable we need an explanation for because we're humans and we like making order out of chaos yeah but i think when we're talking about a sexual sadistic murder a spree killer rage killing something like that that's fear that's fear-based and brian from that perspective your initial comment about fascination was exactly correct we're fascinated by something we're gobstruck by it so our our attempt to explain it uh may go to the point that well it must be a skunk ape living in the 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 okie because clearly it couldn't have any other explanation and teach and i have a good one for that so uh, sorry teach but i want to make sure that we're laser focused on that you know, no, absolutely, and it's like you said, it's it's just a luxury almost at a point in time to help us understand or you understand to further that case or that prosecution or the social link why that caused uh, happened. If you're in a war zone or a combat zone, I, I don't need motive. Like I know the bad guys are there because I'm invading their homeland. Like so, I, yeah. I get that. Um, but it, you know, you can also use it as a, a proactive, Brian. That's why they mostly know your face pretty well. Like, they can, uh, you can use it to help you narrow a search, but it's never going to be for me. It's not going to be the first thing I go to. It's not going to be the first thing in my my trick bag that I pull out. Um, it's going to be something that's a, it's a luxury. It's an after the fact when time stops, when time slows down. You know, when I have that tactical patience, so I'm the situation is totally controlled. 
it might be nice to know those things and it'll further on a spider chart it looks nice right yeah, yeah. I, I mean but but utility wise uh low on our essential uh, yeah like i'm on, i'm moving on to the next um, before I'm trying to determine motive for that one, I'll let someone else say that. I'm moving on to the next event, you know, to, to keep going further, further proactively. But, but that's right. very different from Brian Shea. Brian Shea, I, I, I think you're, you're starting at the other end of the funnel. Is that, is that a fair statement? You know, honestly, it's, it's kind of interesting. So it's, it's, it's actually two ends of it. So first is I could not agree more that motive and intent has very, very little actual operational or even bigger picture value because, you know, like right now, um, like law enforcement, money motivator, right? So everybody's trying to do something and do criminal activity for money. Full stop. No kidding. Right. <laughs> so it, it, it yeah. is, it has that like, you know, and there's a couple exhibitors that you could drop in there too. It's like, thank you so much. You have unraveled the, you know, the, the, the greatest yeah. mystery in the world is that I am doing this either for survival or financial gain. Right. I mean, those are probably the two big buckets that things fall into. Um, You know, there are certainly a couple others. And on the other end of it, you have, you know, I think in the the prior podcast with uh, with Greg and and, and Brian, kind of like saying that a lot of the people do the same thing over and over, right? It's that persistence of a behavior that guys like me, girls like me, right? Whatever, doesn't matter the gender. It's the... It's that is the stuff that you target. I have never, ever in my life, professionally, personally, as a father, ever targeted or focused on an intent or a motivation. It's just one of those things, like, I don't care. For example, as my, my little kid the other day said, Daddy, the Grinch is coming, to, coming into our house to go take, you know, so some whimsical little kid thing, coming to go take our cookie jar. And I was like, what does he look like and where does he live? If I don't know what he looks like, I can't go pay him a visit one day. You know, it's, it's just one of those things, right? So those are those artifacts that you're always going to look into. And um, really quickly, what's also interesting is that some of the other kind of, ant, you know, the, that motivation. So um, you guys in the other podcast said something about, um, you know, like Antifa and these right wing kind of extremist groups right here in the homeland. Well, what's kind of sort of interesting on the motive end is that Antifa, will use an incendiary device against property. Whereas like, you know, these, these groups like Sons of God, they're anti-personnel. So they're going to take more of like a pipe bomb against humans. You know, so that doesn't add a lot of value, but it gives you a little bit of stuff to kind of back into with, right? As kind of Greg was, or uh, Will was saying. So it's kind of, it has that both edge, but I have never in my life ever targeted intentional motivation. It's behavior. Always, you're, you're, you're right on. And, and one thing I want to throw into the mix, if motive was so gosh darn important and your comments on intent were spot on, why don't we ever wonder what the motive for a suicide was? No, nobody knows, you know, because we, we, it, it's assumed, well, he was having trouble for a long time and being a crappy friend, I did nothing about it. All the signs were there and being a crappy friend, I didn't get any training to say anything. We don't sit there and on the news say, well, we don't know the motive yet. The reason that they do motive is it sells newspapers. It gets people to, to enlist their, their, their aid. And uh, now we've got some oracle telling us what the, uh, was in the guy's thought process. We don't care. It's either good and evil. It's right and wrong. He's either, you know, like motive is also so time sensitive. Uh, 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 the, the caper uh, with uh, Frazee 
killed his wife uh, on Thanksgiving by saying, hey, honey, I've got something here in the garage that I want you to see, but I'm going to have a couple of uh, scents set up, candles, uh, and, and I want you to wear this blindfold. She steps out onto the Visqueen into the garage. He takes an aluminum bat and kills her. He enlists the aid of his girlfriend in Idaho uh, uh, to come down and clean up the crime scene. And the news for two straight weeks, because they're searching the landfill for her remains, every leader on that news is breaking news, still searching for the motive. Well, maybe it was a girlfriend in Idaho. What, yeah. what, you get what I'm trying to say? You know, you, 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 you have to take a look at why motivation is so important to the untrained and not to the trained Smith. I, I think that's an important factor. So yeah. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate because we're all kind of saying how great we are. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, and, and I'll put this to the panel. So like the, the Jean Valjean argument, yeah, I, you know, I stole a loaf of bread, so, you know, whatever. Yeah. So let's say you're in a complex environment and there are people who are more, let's say, dedicated to the cause than others. Um, so someone maybe is just doing a retribution act or a safe face act, or they were forced to do something or compelled to do something by an occupying gang force army. That's not really their true intent. Um, how do you then use motive to determine which people need to be taken off versus which people need to be get turned and brought back into the fold? Um, cause if you start taking off the wrong guys, then you just create a bigger problem. I, I would I would say one thing to that is again is you kind of that one that's a great question uh, is because you can break down those groups because especially law enforcement military or just you in your your environment uh, who do I who do I co-opt here who do I become friends with hey I'm having a hard time returning this item at Walmart which one of these employees is going to likely help me that's no different than than a, a police officer going which one of these guys can I flip can I get on my side. Because cause his intent, maybe he's just running with that crowd because he's known him his whole life. So I get what you're saying, but I think, too, you can look at behavior and how they do it, right? So you can look at what they're, actual, right. what they're actually doing and, and just uh, profile their behavior and was, was their intended outcome likely different? Did they put in as much effort? Did they, do, did they follow these steps like everyone else, or were they just doing the bare minimum the whole time because they were going along to get along? So, Greg, I know you have stuff to add, but that was just no, right no, away. And, and you're right on. I want to. I want us all to to think back to Fort Benning, the Prince Habibi example, uh, for one of the the Finexes mm-hmm. uh, for a practical application, and that is the lesser so, of two real, evils. Real quick, Dre- Greg, just so we're all on the same page, and anyone listening, this is a a practical application exercise, an observation exercise where we have a scenario set up. So you're referring to this Prince Habibi. I don't want anyone to think there was some guy like did an attack down at Fort Benning named Prince Habibi or something. Right. Or, or and for this exercise, yeah. for this exercise, it doesn't matter what the name was. Right. It right. was just a header on a piece of paper to, yes. to separate that uh, sub- suspect from countless from others. With other, a hundred other. Right. Exactly. So, so uh, the soldiers are watching a village, and it's not an oceanal village. It's an active village uh, populated with humans, and each of them has specific human behavior traits. They're observing it from 1,000 meters away, 800 meters away, 600 meters away. Um, they're observing days uh, in the life of this village to determine a pattern of life, and then they have certain conundrums that they face, and they have to decide 
which is best to do uh, in action. Do we call in for assistance? Do we parlay with the, the ruling class? And it could work anywhere in the world. Habibi just means love. And so it was Prince love for that one. It could be any other combination of two words put together. But the conundrum in this situation was what was the lesser of two evils? Do we leave this guy who's uh, 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 in this instance, uh, he's a figurehead. He has no real power. Uh, he, the people are losing faith in him. The military doesn't trust him. And certainly the police are so corrupt that we don't know what the outcome is going to be. And from teacher's example, we have to look at that and go, okay, this guy in the street corner with a bike that sees this every day, he might easily be co-opted. He may be lured in, and his motivation is to self. His motivation is to his religion. His motivation is to his political gain or whatever. And those are great, and that's wonderful to know that. So building a human behavior profile can include motivation. Motivation will never uh, uh, go against it. Motivation will never uh, contradict it. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But is it essential? Maybe. If I want to know what their next likely target is, maybe then I need to know motivation because the pattern tends to show this, and this guy's motivated enough to act, so we better put extra security at that next meeting. So in that scenario, that, that conundrum that we force, like the Kobayashi Maru for, for uh, Star Trek, it just happened to have that name, what we're trying to do is see how far the people will go. Look, Manuel Noriega, lesser of two evils. Uh, uh, we backed Noriega, maybe we shouldn't have. Iran-Contra. The uh, U.S. has a rich history of back-end despots to get what we need or what we want at the time. Right. I'm not endorsing that. I'm saying it's what is. Well, yeah, and that, go, that goes along with the same thing of, of why we do, you know, same thing. It's a law enforcement perspective. It's the same thing in your personal life. I have friends who are great friends. They, they are not necessarily good people. Um, would they do anything for me? Yes. Uh, you know, is the there word a you're searching there? for is family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he meant to say family members. I know your family, Brian. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so same thing. And it's like, well, well, you know, you have to, you have to choose your battles, right? You, you, you know, exactly. so, so how do we do it? And who do we co-opt here? Same thing from a law enforcement perspective. All right. Hey, this guy's a criminal, but if I, if I work with him, he, I can get the guy who's much worse. And so you, you, you can't let them all run around, right? You got to go after which one. So what's the best bang for our buck? And so I, I think that's, uh, you know, uh, to, to bring into perspective of just everyday life, that's why I brought up an issue of, uh, yeah, I have friends, man, they've helped me get jobs. They've helped me, uh, you know, guy will help you move, but you know, he's not the best person in the world and, and he makes some poor decisions in life, but, but he's my friend. So, so it's kind of a, I'm just trying to bring that uh, to a wider perspective outside any type of military and law enforcement community of just of, well, you know, when I say you're, you're an, you know, intelligence officer. Well, that's, that's everyone walking around the street. When you're talking to people, you're collecting information or you're hearing things about people and, and same thing. You're going, well, maybe if I get on this person's good side, I might get something out of it or I maybe, you know, whatever the situation is. So it, it, I think that's just an, just another example to kind of open up the aperture a little bit. Yeah. And Brian, in your example, when you take a look at that, if your friend continues to have sinister motivation, they're not going to be your friend very long. No, if no, your exactly. friends are just like 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 me. I, I'm a, you know, I'm a a tortured human. I make mistakes daily. We yeah. all do. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And, and as long as I don't have evil intent, as long as I'm not trying to gain an advantage, mm-hmm. I think that's okay. Uh, and and I, I want to make sure that we know what 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 motivation isn't. Uh, Teach and I were working with dog uh, 
William Atkinson and I were working with Shelley and some other people. I'm sorry, I keep remembering, uh, uh, forgetting the, the lexicon here. And uh, we were working uh, with a mobile enforcement team for the DEA along uh, Haida Corridor. I won't tell you where it is, but uh, as we're on this caper, a frantic radio message goes out, and they want to know if anybody speaks uh, Espanol. So, of course, the only person that pipes in and chimes in is me. I happen to have Lucky in the sled with me. Uh, uh, Shelly's fluent. Lucky's fluent. Uh, uh, William and I, uh, Ablamos a little bit. You get what I'm trying to say? Lo siento mucho por mi muy mal español. So we decide to head up there because we got to be in on everything to see what they got that they need a Spanish speaker. So we get there. It's on a riverbank, and there's two uh, Mexican campesinos that happened to, to cross the, the border, and, and now they're fishing and living a, a, along the river until they get to Pennsylvania. So the, what happened is they were attacked by a Sasquatch. So they were giving the story to us, and teacher, remember this, as the, the, the Sasquatch came out of the reeds along the riverbank and stole their fish. They were eating trout at the fire, and the Sasquatch pushed them out of the way, took their fish, and ran off. And so the uh, blank county sheriff was there, this county sheriff, because it was on a border, and a couple other capers. And we show up and flash our tins, and we're like, hey, we're here now. What's up? And so we interviewed these guys. There was no sinister motivation. They were not lying. They truly saw a Sasquatch. What it was is a bear. Bears <laughs> go by the river, and bears uh, uh, love trout. And the bear smelled the food, came in, pushed the guys out, and stole their fish. Happens all the time. But they didn't have the ability to formulate a lie, so they told us what it was, and the coppers started filling in the blanks, and the next thing you know, it's a Sasquatch. Never turn, uh, you know, never put a round peg in a square hole, never turn a bear into a Sasquatch, and don't worry so much about the motiva- motivation and the motive, as long as you've got artifacts and evidence to support your conclusion. And if your conclusion is reasonable, I think juries like that. I think prosecutors like that. I even think defense attorneys will, yeah, they'll still be scumbags, uh, joking. Uh, uh, but, but they'll at least listen and believe your argument if you have artifacts and evidence to back it up. It, it, it sounds like if you start looking too much on motive, you fall into the, the, like the earliest mistake most people make, which is like you're making the evidence fit the crime instead of actually exactly. looking at yeah. the evidence and seeing what the crime might be. Um, you're actually biasing yourself um, instead of seeing what's out there and doing yourself a disservice. Well, uh, and, and, and the same thing, the motive uh, guy came in, uh, the caper that we had down on the, the uh, south end of Colorado, the kidnapping, the cougar hunters. Remember the wife came in and she had a bag full of evidence and she demanded that we do DNA evidence. Uh, there was nothing in the bag that would have uh, captured DNA. DNA uh, with an eyeball witness and the person's confession was useless, uh, but she had seen so many crime dramas that she's going, well, you know, and the jury was going, you know what? We convicted this guy, but we would have liked DNA evidence. Yeah, I would have liked the ham sandwich. It has nothing to do with it. So I think as long as you stay, you know, and and Brian, I I understand your focus uh, is broader than mine. I'm almost laser focused on this point. No, no, that and that's a that you you said gr- uh, crime drama on that one right there, and that, I think that just brings up another uh, big one. Another, you know, I'm I'm the only thing I do watch on Netflix or documentaries, even though they're so slow. Just from my perspective, I'm like, let's go get to the point, get to the point. I want to hear more about this case, and they got to draw it out and hook everyone in and keep Certainly. everything. But the big one they did two, they did like two seasons on that the Stephen Avery case from Wisconsin, and which is actually. Uh, right 
down the road from where my mom's side of the family is from. So, so that's all that whole area is actually very familiar to me. But, uh, but same thing is that, you know, even his, his attorneys, he's got, he's got like 19 of them over the, however long this has gone on and people are going, well, you know, why he, there's no motive there. They're like, there's just no motive. And you're just going like, look, and I'm sure everyone has different opinions on it. When you watch a documentary, you got to remember someone is showing you, there's someone's telling you a story in the way they want it to be told. So that's very easy to do. And I can get you to go along with whatever the story that I want to put out. So you got to look at the facts of the case, look at the evidence. And then there's all kinds of, Hey, there was evidence planted and this happened and this. And which I, contrary to what you find on television, that, that happens, I think a lot, you know, rare, you know, much more rarely than people think. And I know there is a lot of times when it does happen where, where the where it's literally frustration from police officers who know they have the guy and they can't prove it. They have enough evidence, but it's not enough, and they'll start planting stuff and start doing this and doing whatever, and and that's all wrong. But but I think just what you said is that whole crime drama aspect is where this comes from, and and we get so wrapped around that the motivation. So I, I just think it's another example, Greg, for, for that that people have heard of and seen. That thing was huge. That documentary series was was huge. But by, by the way, I have an extra long shirt apparently now. Hey, can you use that dry erase board behind you? I uh, absolutely can. Okay, can you do me a favor and draw a rectangle on that on that board? Just just large enough oh. any kind of just About right over here. Is that going to Yeah, see? but but pretty big. I'm so glad you said rectangle. Thank you. Thank you. Something like that. That's perfect. Can you see now, it okay? If, if if everybody takes a look at the rectangle that that you've just drawn. Do me a favor, can you put a, an X up in the top left? Like right up here? Yep. And if you're following at home, do this on your yellow pad. Now put an X at, at, at the exact center. Okay? Now put an X at the bottom right corner. And thanks for doing that. It's the first time I've ever directed you to do anything. Eh? So, so, yeah. So, so and real quick, too, I, I have yeah. the handwriting of like, like a, I write at about a third grade level, but I read at like a fifth and sometimes sixth grade level. So apparently, I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm still at the office. Apparently, your drawing is, uh, apparently your drawing is, is uh, going to make the grade here. If you take a look at the top left corner, and now we're talking Ted Bundy, serial killer. Ted Bundy started up there, okay? He hit the Pacific Northwest with a vengeance until people started picking up on what he was laying down. So he fled. Where did he flee to? Well, he fled to the center of the, pardon me for a second, on a broadcast. He fled to the center of the map, which was the state of Colorado, and he got caught a couple of times, and Mm -hmm. he fled. He fled. So the place that he went to, and he's committing crimes all the way. He's committing it's like, homicide. a kind term rape, for what he and did. And all that other yeah. stuff. <laughs> Aspen police called me last week. I'm not saying a word. And uh, if we go down to the right hand, uh, uh, point that out for us, Brian, just to make sure we're tracking that, that we're going from the upper left to the bottom right. That's Florida. Uh, uh, and that's where he ended up getting caught the final time and, and having to, to apply his trade in front of the judge to try to get a, uh, away again. But the idea is that if you take that and you look at Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy was a human. So as smart as he was, this master criminal, he made a mistake. He looked at the map and he goes, I got to stay in the continental United States. So I'm going to go the furthest point away. Now do me a favor and erase your X's for a second. And let's talk Steve Avery. Because anybody that thinks that Steve Avery is guilty, show up at uh, Rogue Manor West and I'll educate you. Now do me a favor. 
if you put an X to the left margin of your 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 uh, line there towards the bottom, yeah, down so here, just, yeah, so half of so a quarter up, let's say. Do you get what I'm saying? So if that line is is uh, four quarters, you're going to put it on the first quarter of that line, bottom yeah, left on, corner, on the line here. Yep, right on the line. All right, like that. Yep. Now do me a favor. If you can do that line exactly where you put it, but opposite on the right-hand border of your rectangle. So it would be a quarter from the top now. Oh, I No, 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 Brian, yeah, yeah. a quarter from you. the top. Yeah. So now it might not mean anything to everybody, but Steve Avery and Brandon Dassey working together uh, took a young photographer named Teresa Halback, and they brutally murdered her and dismembered her and lit her on fire, and that was at your left X, if you can point to your left X, okay? Now, they burned her right in the center of the map, if you could put another X, right there, and did some dismembering and destroyed some evidence, including her camera, which didn't burn, and all that other stuff. And then at the top right X that you put on the map, that's where they put her gosh darn Toyota RAV4 uh, parked it amongst some other abandoned vehicles and threw some rocks and sticks on it, okay? That's called the happy head. When you take a look at Ted Bundy and you take a look at the overlay for Stephen Avery, is it just coincidence that both of these people that committed murder were in a hasty mindset to try to destroy? Now, I take umbrage with what you said about coppers. Only bad cops would ever plant evidence. No good cop, no cop ever would plant evidence if he's a good cop. He would say, you know what, you got away this time, I'm going to double down and I'm going to get some people together and we're going to go out there and we're going to find better evidence. We're going to find right. better witnesses. We're going to prosecute. No good cop. If, because if you're out there planting evidence, you shouldn't be a cop, turn in your tent. But these two guys followed a pattern that all bad guys did. Why didn't they want the, uh, Avery's car found? Well, they can't take it off because they might get caught uh, driving it. But listen, we got a 1,000 cars to choose from because it's a used car lot. You get what I'm trying to say, a dump. So we'll just put it as far away. And the other thing is a terrain feature. It slopes gently up so I don't have to see it every day. So it's not in my field of vision. It's, it's ridiculous to assume that those guys didn't have a motivation. What was their motivation? This young female, nobody knew she was out there. They lured her out there to take a picture of a, a gosh darn car for sale, and then they brutally murdered. Okay? So the simplest motivations in the world, are what drive people. And that's why, that's why uh, uh, if you take a look at the uh, Talmud, you take a look at uh, 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 the Koran, you take a look at the, the Bible, every single one of them has the same penalties for the most serious crimes because they repeat themselves over and over, and humans can't get away from sex, they can't get away from money, they can't get away from power. Uh, I want what you have. Yeah, it, I, I, we see those patterns all the time with it, right? So I think we try to look too far into it again to kind of go back to, you know, the, the fear of this stuff and, and our need to come up with an explanatory storyline, which is, which is normal on how, we, on how we put information together. I see, make this observation, this observation. Oh, it's probably this that happened. So if I don't understand what you just went over, I have to yep. come up with an explanatory storyline, which makes sense to my brain. So that I think, and, and, and like you said, the fear of, wait, this could be my neighbor, this could be my kid, this could be my friend, whoa, that's, that's a lot to handle, right? That's, yeah, that's being thrown to the mix that he was convicted wrongly of right. a similar crime previously. But listen, as much as we can't bring up your priors in a court of law, you shouldn't say, hey, because those cops screwed up, they were so incensed by him making money and getting out of jail 
that they decided 18 years into a 20-year sentence that they're going to take vengeance? For the love of God, the guy did 18 out of his 20 years on the wrong crime, and that was just enough to push the new sheriff over the limit? No, those are grasping at straws, and I think you're exactly right, Brian. I, I think what happens is we create a situation that fits our mental vision of what might have occurred because it helps us sleep at night. Right, and and Brian, Shay, I'd love to to throw to you, man, about about you know, kind of just from your your perspective. And I know you, you know you haven't uh, you know you haven't you know Will, uh, Greg, and I have known each other a long time. We've we've taught together. We've gone through some interesting training courses together. Uh, Grave Digger Diner had a wonderful breakfast. <laughs> Absolutely, there, uh, uh, where where the where the waitress uh, asked us what we wanted. There was three options on the menu. She wrote it down and took the ticket off, turned around, hung the ticket up, and then she started cooking the food. We were the only two people in there. They gave us paper plates and plastic forks and knives, and that was like our only meal prior to going into this this week-long, like you're getting one piece of bread a day kind of training course-like thing. And we're going like, well, maybe we should have picked somewhere else. But, yeah. <laughs> but we, we saw so, Gravedigger. <laughs> we did. We did, uh, which was interesting. So, uh, but anyway, uh, back, back to, to, to uh, Shay, I'd, I'd love to throw it to you to kind of, just because you're so current on, uh, on how this unfolds, on how investigations, intelligence analysis unfolds, uh, especially within law enforcement, not just uh, national level, which, which you have uh, passed in as well, but... So what, what are your thoughts on this and how this process works out? And, and what are guys trained for? And what are, what, are, what are those detectives typically looking at or looking for? Or, or what is the training gap? Right. And, and, and that's, yeah. Please. Yeah. I think the biggest training gap is probably um, the biggest two, uh, confirmation bias, cognitive bias, right? I think that's just actual a, a human trait that mm-hmm. we got to work on. It's like a muscle. Right, we have to work on developing more. I don't know what you would say. An open mind, open to more information. Right, it's and then on the other end, it's information quickly, sharing. Yeah. yeah, it's information sharing. So it's passing the right information to the right people at the right time. And sometimes it's that it's right on. white Volvo, yep. as you know, it, it, as you're saying, like the, the white Volvo. It's like, well, there's a there's a couple incidents in the near, you know, kind of present time where there is one car with two different license plates on it. I mean, so there's a little bit of like kind of ingeniousness. Like I, when I hear that, I'm like, man, that's, that's, I'm thinking, you know, you're just trying to muddy the water. But I think at the end of the day, it's simplicity. He didn't change his car. He just tried to change what he had. Right. And so it's that cognitive bias information sharing and don't ever discount the simple. It ain't a Sasquatch. It's a bear. You know, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and, and Brian Shea, what you just brought up and, yeah. and Brian Marin, I want to make sure we circle yes. the wagons here. One beltway snipers. We got the wrong vehicle description every time because we left right of bang. Bang goes off. We look for the first vehicle pulling out of the parking lot. And that's that. That's yeah. my RA boy. That's the description I'm going to get. So, so that bias is that what I see right now has to fit my conclusion and I'm going to stick with it. Even if you prove me wrong. And, and when we take a look at a lot of the situations, two come to mind immediately, and we've never discussed this, Brian Shea, and you brought both of them up. Yeah. One thing that I, that I didn't like in Iraq and Afghanistan is when a bolo, a be on the lookout, went out, they said yeah. it's going to be a, a white bongo. 
Do you get what I'm saying? It's going to be a jingle truck that's got a blue fringe on it. Yeah, okay. Which is all they so have you, out there. Yeah. You, yeah. You've got yeah. three-quarters of yeah. a million vehicles in, in Kandahar right now that I'm looking at. <laughs> and then the other thing was that they went to the other end of the spectrum with military-age male. So for an affidavit for a, uh, an arrest warrant, go, go to a judge and go, he's a military-age male. That would be like telling a judge, well, Your Honor, it's a military-age criminal. At what age can you be a criminal? Do you get what I'm trying to say? So what happens is we start and, and pigeonholing, and all of a sudden, all roads lead to Rome. And that's yeah. a mistake. Uh, a mistake is to uh, uh, not read what the evidence tells us. Allow the artifacts and evidence to form a reasonable conclusion. And if your conclusion is reasonable to at least one other person, and I say three people, then you probably got something, and it's probably time to act. If not then you're, it's conjecture, and, and again, you're turning a bear into a Sasquatch. Yeah, and as soon as you start beginning to diffuse what we've been talking about into one kind of activity as an investigator, as a human, I mean, honestly, this is not just for security people. This is for moms, dads, brothers, cousins, you know, all those, all those things. Like, if, if you're just a living, breathing human being, um, if you could take the most likely course of action, right, and a little bit of that motive, you know, for example, that Antifa, well, that's going to be um, some sort of incendiary device. They want to blow up a crane, right? They want to stop a development, stop a, um, you know, a big 50-unit apartment building, right? And then if you try to backtrack that out to who are these guys who believe in that, right? What's that camp? What's that group? And where are those other kind of developments in the area, that might be in close proximity to where they are or on their way to work or on, you know, it's that very simple stuff. Cause you're if right. you're going to get hit, it's probably going to be because somebody saw you do something repeated behavior wise. Right. Yep. I'm always at the 66, you know, right at uh, Chicago at Rockwell waiting for the 66 bus to take me East to the, to the train. I'm there every morning between seven thirty and eight. I am a target. People, people always hit this ATM before they go into the sports venue. People always do that. You're exactly right. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think when you, when you take a look at uh, how to establish uh, uh, the motivation of a person is less important as thinking in terms of most likely course of action is a train on this track. Mm-hmm. Most dangerous course of action is a train on this track. At some point, if you can predict that my most likely course of action and my most dangerous course of action have a nexus, a place that they cross, and both lead a reasonable person to believe that they're the same thing. The most likely course of action that's going to happen is also my most dangerous. You've not only established a likely scenario, but you've probably also indicated your likely kill zone or area of operation or crime scene. Mm-hmm. So, so I agree with you. You know, it's the, it's the old, uh, is it the Gordian knot, the, the easiest way to, to solve it? You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Going to that lowest level and saying, what do the facts show? What does the evidence tend to suggest? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think kind of like you're, you're wrapping it in there, Brian, too, is just, you know, it's not a law enforcement or military thing necessarily. It's just a human behavior. So it doesn't matter who you are. And all this stuff that, that we're talking about is just what you wrapped up there. And we've talked about it on how many podcasts too. And just literally looking at a situation and well, here's the most likely course of action for what's happening. But, but I need to balance that out uh, with the most dangerous course of action. Well, what else could it be? And so what you have is usually, you know, just most people who don't have any training, 
who don't have like a military law enforcement security type background, right? They're always just accepting it for what it is. It's always the most likely course of action. Well, what do you, oh, it's the bus is probably just late. Oh, that guy's probably just huddled under there because he's cold. You know, they don't ever think that. But then what you have on the opposite side is a lot of guys who are in security, military, law enforcement, and it's the most dangerous course of action. And that's what they're looking for. And it's, oh, no, he's going to be doing. And so that, 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 that hypervigilance on, on that end is, is obviously, you know, it's, that's bad. And I think that leads right into what you were talking about with the, the confirmation bias and cognitive uh, bias. And, and we could do, again, we could, I'm sure we will get to. We could do a whole uh, uh, podcast on that, but but you're right. You know, we you know, like I've said before, we've all said, you know, I, I you know, I I believe what I want to believe. I see what I want to see. I hear what I want to hear, and and it's you're you've seen it before too. You know, the what do we say? The worst witness is like an eyewitness to something that happened because <laughs> once they think this is what happened, that's it. So they're giving you a wrong description. They're not articulating the events properly. They don't know that. They 100% believe what they're saying, and they're being truthful as far as they know, but, but it, it could lead you in the wrong direction. And so we could go into confirmation bias and cognitive bias and, mm-hmm. and how that stuff works and, and, and just how you got to uh, uh, use the advanced critical, think, uh, advanced critical thinking skill set that we always teach and to, to now look at it, all right, let's look at the anomalies in my baseline Let's try to articulate what they are. Hey, what could this be based on artifacts and evidence? Not what I think or what I, you know, in letting those biases come in or what I've seen before necessarily. It's just take it for, for what it is. And, and you, you brought it up too, is that it's not, this isn't, it, you're, it's the pocket lint. This is small yeah. stuff you need. Yeah, I, I'm not looking. I don't need to, all right, hey, this is what a terrorist looks like. I'm going to go find him in this crowd. No, that's not how it works. I just have to look at the behavior associated with the event because there's going to be out of the hundred, you know, people there, there's going to be a certain percentage whose behavior doesn't fit that event. Okay. So now I just took my job and I cut, you know, what I had to do. Uh, I cut that work down by 90%. So I just got to focus on these. And then now I have my new baseline. All right. Well, out of these, what do I have? Oh, now I just cut it down to these few people. Now I can maybe cut it down to that one out of that whole crowd. That's, that's the likely person that I need to look after who's going to do something. So Craig, I don't know if you had something else to yeah, add on to that. Too, I, if, if, I, if I was asked to wrap what we were talking about today, I think what I'm hearing loud and clear, uh, number one, don't jump to an unreasonable conclusion. Uh, number two, that whenever you have incongruent behavior, whether it's a person, event, or a vehicle, that's probably where your danger lies. And then third, allow the evidence to tell the story. Artifacts and evidence and reasonable conclusions are much better than relying on motive uh, uh, to determine guilt or innocence. And, and again, those are likely terms based on the evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And that's a, that's a great uh, takeaway for everything we went over. And I know we can get to all the stuff that we discussed in detail, which we will uh, in future podcasts. So uh, unless you guys, anyone else have anything to, to add on top of that, uh, I appreciate you guys being on here and we'll continue these discussions and, and eventually to anyone who's listening or watching, yes, we will take a specific case and we will give you, hey, look, this is how we look at it. This is how we articulate it. And I think it'll be pretty intuitive and fairly common sense to go, oh, well, I see that. I, that, that makes sense. And so it'll, the picture will become a little bit clearer, but there's always more information on our podcasts and on our website. So please 
go to the website at arcadiacognorati.com. There's all kinds of information on there for you guys to read and look into. You can always contact us on there, subscribe. You can subscribe to the Left of Greg YouTube channel. You can watch us. I know it's always a little bit you know, more animated to, or a little bit more engaging to watch us because because you can see it and 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 kind of helps you follow along a little bit more. And then you can always download these on iTunes. Go to the Left of Greg podcast on iTunes. You can download all this stuff for free. Like I said, listening to it while you're you're driving into work and you're doing your morning routine. And you know what? It, it just might be, uh, you know, you might hear that thirty second clip in here that just resonates with you. That you it, it will pay forward throughout the day. You'll go, oh, you know what? Hey, that's what those guys were talking about. It. I'm seeing it right here. I'm going to go to a different gas station and fill up my car. No, I'm not going down that street right now. Or, hey, I don't like the way this guy is approaching me. Just that little bit, that extra second, minute, day, month, year you have to be preventative is, is, uh, could, could save your life, could save someone else's life, and could mitigate something from happening. So with that being said, thank you guys very much for being on. I appreciate thank it. You. We have uh, more coming, and stay tuned. All right, thanks.